Alright lads, we're here! Make sure you get all that treasure in order. I want it nice and quick when we get out here. You there, lad! Hit the anchor! Good boy. Alright, now make sure you go ahead and get the treasure. Let's make this quick. This is gonna serve for a pretty penny for sure. Just enough for a few grogs. Hello, gent. Good to see you again. Thank you kindly. Alright, let's get to the tavern. I'm parched. I've got the devil's thirst. <laughs> That's a good one. I love that tune. Ah, uh, keep playing. Excuse me. Mmm. It's so good. I only do this all the time. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, life at Golden Sands Outpost. Couldn't be better for a shore leave episode. Welcome, pirates. Good to have you around. Sit back, relax. Let's, uh... Let's enjoy some of the stuff that's going on outside of Sea of Thieves while we take a look at the beautiful, beautiful sunset. Uh, there's a lot going on, and I wanted to make sure I got a chance to sit down and talk with you all about it. So, I did want to dive into a few things, namely the game awards that came on and some of the announcements that happened with that. But also, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Sword and Shield. I picked up Shield and I've been having a blast and I've got some really good stories to talk about that. So, welcome pirates. If this is your first introduction to Keel Halt, well, this is a little thing that's kind of off on the side that I do when I want to talk about stuff outside of Sea of Thieves. So, I sit back, relax, finish up on a voyage and come hang out with you. <laughs> First up on this episode of Shore Leaf, I wanted to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield. Now, this is one that came out mid-November, and I've been spending a fair amount of time with it. And I have to say, I really, really love this game. It's so good. Now, a lot of people have heard a lot of controversy about uh, the, the, the Game Freak being lazy with their models, or them not bringing the national decks. All, all these different things. And when it comes down to it, you really have to take a look at the game and decide, is the game going to be fun? And that is something that a lot of people who leak content or make disparaging remarks about it when the game hasn't even come out yet, similar to movies, they can't really speak with any kind of authority. Now, I, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts that have been talking about this. A lot of my friends have Nintendo-based podcasts, and some of them aren't into Pokemon. But I have to tell you, as an old fan, an original fan of Pokemon, back when the cartoon first came out, back when it was blue and red in the States and uh, red and green in Japan and stuff, I have been a fan of Pokemon, but I have not 
been following the series very closely. And a lot of that's because I'm not huge on handheld gaming. So why would I jump into this one? Well, a lot of it has to do with my experience that starts back in, I believe it was, when was it? Was it July 2016? I believe it was around my birthday on July 2016. I could actually open up my app and find it, but Pokemon Let's Go reignited my Pokemon passion because it was a game that allowed me to capture Pokemon from Gen 1 and experience some of the fun in a bright new vibrant way that I had with the original game series and with the actual cartoon. Fast forward to uh, when Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee came out for the Nintendo Switch, I picked that up because it was going to be a remake of the original game uh, of Pokemon um, Yellow. And I really loved it. I had a good time. I beat it. I got through with uh, most of the, the original starters and had just a real blast with that game. Now, let's skip forward and jump up to the launch of Pokemon Sword and Shield. This is Pokemon's eighth generation of Pokemon games for the series. And they're coming on a home console slash handheld console for the first time. This is their first major entry into the Pokemon series uh, that is going to be a handheld console and graphically let's talk about graphics a lot of the textures are pretty low a lot of the actual character designs are not that unique the thing that really sets this game out from uh previous games is the wild area for me uh when i first got the game i played through the wild area almost exclusively like once i got past the tutorial stuff and i actually took the tutorials i didn't skip it like a lot of fans who were familiar with the game i went ahead and sat down and went through the tutorial stuff uh just to kind of get re-familiarized re with some of the or familiarized with some of the aspects of the game and it was really nice because i started to notice something i noticed that a lot of the time when I play Pokemon, whether it's other games or other or other RPGs, they tell you stuff, but they never give you a way to retain that information. You just kind of have to know it in the past. So as I'm playing Pokemon and I'm doing battles and I fight Pokemon that I know, I'm starting to notice that the UI is actually giving me information about what's effective, what's not effective, what's super effective. And that that really speaks a lot to the ease of use, not having to remember the huge list of different Pokemon types and trying to remember what's strong and weak against each type. That's all stuff I don't care about. I don't care if it is or it isn't. I want to know right when I'm actually playing it if it will be, and the game feeds that information to you. It also uh, rewards you for exploring so if you wander around in some of the different areas sure enough there's going to be like one or two things uh, out in the world that you can find whether it's you know an x speed item for an actual battle or a pokeball or an item to help your pokemon evolve and when you get one if you don't know what it is it actually explains it in a little blurb down at the bottom of the screen and it doesn't hinder you from from proceeding it, it just kind of gives you a little hey by the way this is what this is for and the ui is really well done they've, they've got everything really well organized i had a, a really good understanding of of where everything was at any given time one of the other things this game does really well is it actually gives you the ability to pull pokemon from your pokey boxes uh into your party 
and gives you the ability to swap characters in right off the bat so you never feel like you have to go to a town and actually uh, get quit or get Pokemon out of the out of your bank essentially and add them to your party you can do that on the fly even when you're out in the wild world and stuff like that it's it's a really nice at, uh, way for me to to swap characters in and out if I come across a, a, a gym that I'm not prepared for and I need to switch Pokemon the other thing that I noticed is that the level progression is really, really good. I played through the game and I spent a fair amount of time in the wild area when I first started. I probably got close to out leveling that first area. But because of that, the the entire rest of the game up until the point where I'm at now, which is I'm about to battle Hop, my uh, neighbor and best friend for the Pokemon Championship, where I'm going to be crowned champion after I beat his older brother. Now, because of the time that I spent in the wild at the start of the game, the natural progression and routes that I took to the different gyms leveled me up enough that I was able to stay about five to 10 levels ahead of my opponents. And because of that, it didn't trivialize the, the matches, but it definitely gave me the edge that I needed to remove the kind of uh, barrier that I normally would run into where I felt like I had to go back out and grind some more and level up some different Pokemon. Like the different types for the Pokemon that I had eventually picked up were enough that each one had a move that would cover uh, a certain specific specific type of Pokemon so that I wasn't feeling like I was constantly being beaten because I didn't have the right type of move. Now, some of those fights got kind of sketchy towards the end and I had to use some revives and some potions and stuff, but overall the natural flow of the game really helped uh, keep me in line with my next adventure. And that, that spoke that spoke so well to the game design itself where it anticipates that you're going to spend some time out in the wild areas and because of that everything else kind of falls in line after that now i don't know if there's any kind of level scaling or anything like that but they did a really good job with this game i i really don't like um sorry to uh, that was kind of obscure but those are some of the things that i like some of the things that i don't like revolve around um the the curry decks where you have to cook curry to uh feed your Pokemon so that they gain health and experience. That's not a necessary thing, so I didn't really uh, mind that as much. The clothing options and the hairstyle options are lackluster. Um, I couldn't, uh, you know, some people were able to find uh, enough customize um, or customization so that they could get their their trainer to look similar to them. I couldn't. <laughs> There's not a bald option for 13 year olds apparently. Go figure. But that's fine. I can I can live with that. I went with a super anime style character at that point and just kind of lived in that fantasy world. And the fact that this is all in the Galar region, uh, which is is kind of an homage to England, was really kind of cool. But the thing that didn't play well was the text. And because this game isn't voice acted you don't get that beautiful british accent that i love so much in with any of the characters or even like the scottish or irish uh, accents or any of the the different dialects within those uh those three and it really left something to be desired when i was going around talking to people because they were using uh english slang or british slang terms and i recognized it and i could hear the way it was supposed to be pronounced when i read it but it didn't come across that way when you're just reading it. Like it, it, it feels unnatural at that point. So I was kind of disappointed about that as well. I loved all the different gyms. And the thing that I think I enjoyed uh, the most was that the, the characters around in the 
world were their own characters. They weren't, they were cheering you on, but it's kind of like when uh, parents have kids and the kids are really excited about something, but the parents are in their own world dealing with their own things and they cheer the kids on because they know it's, it's like when you see parents sitting on the sidelines at, um, at like a sporting event or at like a park where the kids are all playing on the play sets and stuff like the kids are having fun. You are the kid, you're the Pokemon trainer, you're having fun, you're going on this adventure and all of the adults around you are supportive, but there's another story that is being told on top of your story that is much, much bigger than what's going on. And you get little teases of that, but every single time it starts to get a little serious, the adults tell you, don't worry, we've got this, you go have fun and become a champion. And they allow you that sense of freedom and imagination and an adventure. And they, they don't bore you with all these details about the world coming to the end or even what it is. I haven't even finished the game, so I don't even know what it is. But I know that it'll probably come to a head with the, the teases that they've given as far as the, the different heroes and the powers and the, the dynamaxing and stuff like that. And uh, the, the um, sword and shield pups that are on the covers. Uh, I can't remember their names. I'm not even going to try and say because I'm, I'll probably butcher them. But this game really took some of the things that I liked about Pokemon, the adventure, the creativity in the, in the, the Pokemon designs and the desire to have like Pokemon battles and gave me that, that in a wild area where I could free roam around the world and see all the different Pokemon wandering around in their different habitats. And it felt very similar to Breath of the Wild where you're just seeing things out in the wild and you, you get to experience them and you get to make choices on your own. And they finally give you the ability to ride around on a bicycle fairly early on and you get the ability to use the camera however you want and you can kind of work around and see different types of Pokemon. The thing that I really uh, had trouble with though was when I wasn't in wild areas, when I was on routes or when I was in towns. Towns especially have a really bad habit of keeping you locked in your camera and the way that the, the towns are designed is very much from a one camera perspective um, because you're, you're constantly running into scenarios where you're having to navigate around an area but you can't see what's around the corner so you don't know if you're missing anything so you're just constantly turning the corner where you're blocked and spamming the 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 the, the interact keys so that you can actually uh, actually try and pick up anything that might be hidden around there so I wasn't a huge fan of that I wish I had a lot more agency with running around in some of the different towns um the the game itself is great uh it's it's definitely something for all ages but it respected uh my time when it came to the story as well as leveling like i i was free to do what i want i could progress as far as i'd had and i didn't feel bogged down by needless uh conversations about things like um, doing doing different chores and things like that. Like all of that was all on the side. I didn't have to go do any of it if I didn't want to. I could, I could mainline the actual story pretty quickly. In fact, on one Saturday, I actually sat down and knocked out all the gyms uh, after the first three all in one sitting. And it, it was easy because I, I just, I had the Pokemon with the different moves and I got those naturally. And then I moved into each of the different gyms and just really focused on making sure that the one, 
Pokemon that was going to have the super effective spell stayed alive for each of the different things. And I could kind of anticipate when they were going to Gigamax or Dynamax. I can't remember which it is at the time, but uh, they were going to supersize their Pokemon and I would combat that with my own supersizing and stuff. So they've done a great job explaining why things are working the way they are and hinting that there's something tro- something troubling going on with the world outside of your own knowledge of what's happening. So I'm looking forward to what the next Pokemon game is going to be because if they do come out with another game that isn't a mainline series like series uh, or generation nine next year for 2020, I imagine that they'll probably go back to the let's go formula and hopefully they'll adapt uh, the next series of uh, Pokemon games. So they'll go from red and blue with yellow and they'll go to gold and silver uh, and, and bring out that generation, the second generation of Pokemon in a more friendly adventurous type uh, mode similar to Pokemon Let's Go because I did really enjoy that. I would like to have more reason to use my Pokeball because it's just kind of chilling, looking cute. Uh, and, and yeah, so yeah, really enjoying Pokemon. If you guys um, have Pokemon Sword and Shield and you want to trade, um, I got an opportunity to sit down at a gaming expo and I sat down with uh, people from all walks of life, kids, adults, uh, just about everyone there was representing um, a, a different. Uh, a, it felt like it felt like like one of those uh, uh, G seven events where everyone's representing their country. Like that's what this expo felt like. Uh, there were tons of people from different areas, and I really loved seeing all these fans of Pokemon gather around because they were doing max raid battles and they were trading Pokemon and they were battling each other and they were helping other people like me understand that the game has a lot more involved than just catching a Pokemon like. There's so many different stats that come into effect uh, to decide whether or not a Pokemon is going to be good or bad for endgame. And they, they taught me about some silly evolves for some of the different things like dessert Pokemon and how you have to have a certain thing and you have to do a certain thing. And that was really cool. But I definitely went in there unprepared and they sat me down. They, they took me in and they explained so much that I, I probably have forgotten more than I knew going in at this point, but uh, I was really happy to have that. And if you have that opportunity, definitely get a chance to go to an expo where Pokemon fans are going to be to try and help kind of teach you about stuff and jump into some max raid battles because they're, they're actually a lot of fun and you can do them locally. You don't even have to have the internet. That was the great thing is you didn't have to have the internet to do the max raid battles. You could go and join locally with uh, three other people and do a max raid battle. And that was cool. I, I have never gotten a chance to do that since the link cables back in uh, red and blue days. So I had a great time with that. I, I really love this game. All of the criticisms aside, I think if you enjoy Pokemon and you enjoy RPGs, this is a good first installment. I can't wait to see what Game Freak is going to attempt for their next gen series because I really hope that they take some of the criticisms that did come that were valid as far as some of the graphics and things like that, as well as like giving more freedom and developing the game as more of a, a traditional, well, I can't even really say traditional, but more of a, a standard open world setting like Pokemon. 
Pokemon is supposed to be something where you're going out and adventuring in this game or in this world. And I, I liked what the wild area was. They just need to make the wild air, area everywhere and allow me to get from here to there how I want. So if there's one way to get to a town, like through a route, then the wild area would open that up and I'd have multiple different ways to get to that town and, you, and just kind of working around it and different entries and stuff like that. Build it more like Skyrim, build it more like Breath of the Wild or The Witcher, things like that, that will help kind of give you that sense of, of deciding on how you want to be uh, a Pokemon master. All right, pirates. Next up, I wanted to talk about the Game Awards, and the Game Awards um, were, were really beautiful. Uh, I've already pre-recorded this in the past, so I'm going to drop it in here, and you can hear me talk all about some of the things that I, I thought were good and bad about the Game Awards. And then the the big thing at the end that I, I probably spent way too long talking about, but man, it was so cool. And it was, I'm really excited to see how the, the rest of 2020 goes. So I'm going to drop this in right now. Enjoy. All right, pirates, let's talk the game awards because this, this happened back on in, wait, was it last week? I think it was last week. Yeah. Last, uh, Friday? I'm pretty sure last Friday. And I wanted to talk about some of the cool things that uh, came out of the, the Game Awards. Now, obviously, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because a lot of you have probably already digested it and whatnot, but there are a few things that I did want to talk about and um, just kind of express some, some interest in because... Obviously, with things like uh, with, with the Game Awards, you're going to get a lot of uh, news that follows along with um, announcements, kind of like a second E3. And we did get a lot of that. And I was really happy to see um, a lot of different things. I think that probably a lot of people didn't enjoy it because it was three hours long or a little more than three hours long. And you know, that's fine, but that's kind of on par with most actual like award ceremonies, the bigger televised ones. And if you're not okay with that mindset going into it, you're going to be really upset when, you know, hour one goes by and they haven't announced the game of the year because that's kind of what you're expecting. But this is a big venue. It's a big uh, event and it takes a lot of money to do that. So if you if you if you're going to do it, go big or go home. Don't, don't get upset at them for trying to milk as much ad revenue out of this because they need butts and seats and they got to get uh, studios out to uh, sit to accept awards for a thing that was made up five years ago. Like, look, look at what is going on with this and then realize five years ago was the first one. So look at that production quality and then tell me that if you're not, if, if you're going to go to that much work every year for this thing, you're not going to go big. Because I know I probably would too, and and that's fine. If people are willing to sit there for three hours, then so be it. I, I'll, I'll be honest. The fact that they told me that Green Day was going to be playing that was kind of a, a big reason why I stuck around. And bear in mind, this was something that I had to listen to at work. I didn't even get a real opportunity to watch the entirety of it, which I kind of wish I had. So when I actually got to sit down and actually check out some of the bits of it, I was really, really happy, but I love that green day performance. Holy cow. I didn't realize that they were going to be bringing their songs to beat saber, which is awesome. And I wish I could play that, but, uh, 
they they oh man they played an old song and they played a new song and they got a new album coming out and i absolutely love green day they are by far one of my favorite bands from way back in the 90s when i was first introduced into like current music because up into the 90s i'd been listening to what my parents listened to and that was some old classic stuff like 60s 70s 50s kind of stuff so to get into like the the 90s and jump straight into like green day with some punk and nirvana and all that good jazz bush all all my different favorite bands offspring and whatnot to get to see green day play uh at the game awards was really really cool to me because i love them i wish i could have gotten a chance to actually go and i'm jealous that a few friends did get to go so with the game awards um there's always going to be things that are announced and we did we got some really good announcements not necessarily announcements uh that were good for say like nintendo or uh playstation in my mind but a lot of third-party companies came into what was going on uh a lot of companies came on with some really good announcements and i think one of the ones that really kind of bummed people out was the the fast and furious one the fast and furious crossroads that game it's i'm i'm glad that vin diesel uh and 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 uh, michelle uh michelle rodriguez i'm glad that they were able to come out and talk about games because they are big actors uh, and actresses that live in an entirely different uh, industry as gaming. And gaming is the better industry. Well, it's the bigger industry. I wouldn't, I don't, people will argue what's better. I'm not going to get into that because it's, it's all about a perspective and opinion. So it's hard to argue that. But this is a game that does not look good it doesn't and i'm glad that they came out and they got to talk about it because i i've heard in the past that they're big fans of games and they love playing them uh but it's you know i i know that they're not um oblivious to what games look like nowadays so seeing them be hyped up for a game that looks like this it's it doesn't look good it, it looks like a playstation 2 or playstation 3 game probably like a playstation 3 game and i you know it'll we'll have to see how it comes that's coming out may 2020 and uh it's 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 gonna be interesting so yeah um to counter that the announcement for uh the wolf among us 2 is is awesome because i i had no hopes about this game ever getting made the the studio went bankrupt and had to close down uh not that long ago and they had announced wolf uh, among us 2 prior to that and a company came in i can't remember their names uh but they picked up the brand and the ips and they're working underneath the title of telltale so that there's that that um there's that understanding of uh what you're getting when you look at the game and you know that the that the brand is there now if you haven't played the wolf among us it is an interactive story it's uh it's it's essentially one of those choose your own adventures where the actions and the things you say in the game matter for the outcomes and the characters and the paths that you're going so if you if you had a chance to say play outer worlds uh on game pass then you kind of understand how that system works where you have a certain amount of choices or even like a mass effect or a, a fallout game but it's 
purely developed around the idea of it being a story and you're just another actor in the story but it takes place in a very gritty um, downtown world that is uh, full of people who are uh, prestiged to um, they're using magic to basically change their appearance so they look like human representations of the fairy tale creatures that they actually are so the the main antagonist um, is a uh, he's, he's a private detective and he's uh, a, he's the big bad wolf and the reason why he's able to get so much information is because he actually is the big bad wolf um, and so as you go into this world you're basically running into the into different characters to try and uncover a, a mystery or a murder and the first game is excellent it's definitely a mature rated game so it's not for kids I definitely would not give this to kids uh, but if you if you love fantasy style characters um, in kind of a modern day setting uh, actually I can't even remember if it's been so long since I played it I can't remember uh, if it's actually in a real city or if it's just like a made-up city so I can't quite to because I kind of remember like the reason why they had to prestige themselves was because they had to hide from normal people so i want to say it was like a major city uh that they were actually living in so um i looked and i think that i don't think that they said that there was going to be a time that that was actually going to be coming out but the fact that it's it's a project that actually lives is really fun because i i love these storytelling games i i think they're really great i think they do something that really kind of gives you an opportunity to play a game that isn't going to force you to worry about stats or items, things like that. And, and you just get to kind of enjoy the story and you can kind of play it multiple times to see how you how you do and what what choices you make and how those affect the outcome of the game. And it, it, I just love those. I don't know why. Um, another bummer that happened was we, we didn't hear a whole lot from Nintendo. Uh, they, they talked about um, the... Oh, I just blanked on the name of it. It was the uh, No More Heroes 3. And I've never played the No More Heroes games. They're totally outside of my, my ring of consciousness. Uh, inside the ring of consciousness, this trailer was bad. Like, it was, like, super bad. I don't, I don't know... I'm sure uh, that um, that the people that loved No More Heroes were probably really happy to find out that this was this was getting finished and going to be coming out at some point, probably 2020. But um, yeah, not a huge huge fan of the, uh, the the trailer. It was weird. It felt awkward. I was like, why are we why are we watching this? What is going on with it? Can we just get back to something that makes sense? And uh, eventually, we did. Eventually, we did get to see that, and we got to see um, we got to see Godfall, and and uh, you know, I I really gotta hand it to Sony because I picked up a PS4 and I picked up all the major games that uh, that they sell as far as like first party games that everyone loves and everyone's going to want to play. And I've got that. It's chilling. I, I I don't have to do anything to it. I just you know you know all the all the games are um, loaded. They're downloaded. They're they're updated. I've got all the patch information for them, so I can play that whenever. Don't care. Doesn't matter. I'll I'll be able to check out all those really awesome games. Godfall does not look interesting to me. It it looks like it's 
basically going to be Destiny, but with angels and demons. So I don't know. They're it's like they're pulling some sort of strange Diablo thought process where they're like, what if Diablo was all about the angels fighting the demons uh, and vice versa? And you took out all the humans and then you slap that theme onto Destiny and saw what happened. And you're like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, they're wearing suits of armor like Destiny. They have helmets like Destiny. And they're fighting an eternal battle of evil versus good like Destiny. And um, yeah, that's uh, so that's a thing. Um, cool. I, I love action games. I really, I really have a good time with them. I'll probably see how this one plays out, but, uh, outside of that, not a whole lot of interest, but congrats for getting the PlayStation five, a game. Cause this is the first game that I think it's the first PS five game that they've actually talked about. Everything else is coming out, um, before then. And, uh, yeah, Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, Tsushima. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, um, it's funny because they advertised this as a world premiere. It was not a world premiere. It was the second world premiere uh, for, for that. And God, that game's it's coming out summer uh, 2020. It looks amazing. It looks absolutely amazing. I'm super happy that this is coming out on the PS4 because this is going to be one of those ones where it's going to come out in um summer and i'm not going to pick it up till winter and i'm going to wait and get a really good deal on it and then i'm going to stick it with the rest of the games that i have and when i get time to actually sit down and boot this thing up and start jumping on it i will really enjoy it and i will not miss out on the zeitgeist because there's plenty of other games that i'll probably be interested in during that time if i'm not still consistently um in like <laughs> all of the games as a service I tend to play anyway on top of like cyberpunk animal crossing all these other games that are coming out that look amazing um that that I know are probably going to last me until summer at which point I'm going to be like okay well that's cool but I don't need to jump into uh I don't need to jump into to um uh, blank. Oh, Ghost to Tsushima. Uh, after that, I'll, I'll wait for that. The I think the big thing that I'll, I think a lot of Xbox fans were excited about was the announcement of Senua's Saga, uh, not Sacrifice, but Senua's Saga: Hellblade Two. Um, this is going to be the first game that uh, Studio Ninja Theory is um, uh, going to be coming out with the Xbox Series X games. And it looks amazing. This trailer said nothing about what the game is going to be about. It was super weird. It was super creepy. But it looked so good. <laughs> like, it looks so good. And I'm so excited because I'm thinking that Ninja Theory is finally going to have a game that is backed by Microsoft. And they can really show their chops. Like, um... I've got Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice downloaded. I'm waiting for a good time where I'm not busy to sit down to actually dive into it. And from what I've told, or from what I've been told, it's a really good experience. So I'm looking forward to that. And 
this just it it just it exudes confidence from ninja theory i think they're very excited about this project i think they're going to do a great job with it and i can't wait to see how uh how how this is received by people outside of the actual xbox ecosystem because a lot of people generally have more than one system and send you a sacrifice or no, i'm sorry i almost I did it. I did it. Senua Saga uh, could be a game that pulls a lot of people from the PlayStation realm uh, or even like the, the Switch realm because I, I, as I, Hellblade is on the Switch now, um, but pulls them from those other two consoles over to Microsoft because this is probably going to be a an Xbox exclusive now that Ninja Theory is owned by uh, Xbox Game Studios and Microsoft. And that's a that's a big card in their hand right there having ninja theory because everyone really loves hellblade and they would probably want to get more of that and having the funding from microsoft to really throw some some oomph behind uh hellblade 2 that's going to be pretty epic uh and then we've got probably the thing that i think most xbox players were super excited about Let's suppose that you were able every night to dream any dream you wanted to dream. And that you could have the power within one night to dream 75 years of time. And you would naturally, as you began on this adventure of dreams, fulfill all your wishes. But now let's, um, let's have a surprise. Let's have a dream which isn't under control. And then you would get more and more adventurous. And you would make further and further out gambles as to what you would dream. And finally, you would dream where you are now. Can you believe that? So yeah, we uh, finally got some information about the next Xbox console. And uh, let me just say that this thing had an amazing debut as far as video is concerned. You know, they, they really decided to kind of take you on a really interesting look at just computer graphics as a whole. And I really, really wonder if this is something that was able to run real time on the Xbox Series X hardware because the graphics look really good for this and they're showing as far as like a lot of things being uh, growing and being displayed as, as you're actually watching the video. But the thing that I thought was really interesting is it touched on a few things um, that I thought were really cool and that's uh, being able to have like really high graphic fidelity, being able to have very good draw distance. And they actually open up with three games that I think are going to be the launch lineup. They showed uh, a, a car driving on the road. So expect Forza, 
Then it cut to uh, a, a low shot of uh, a soccer ball field and uh, some people playing soccer so or football, I guess, in the rest of the state. So uh, I'm assuming FIFA is going to be launch day. And the Halo, of course, Halo Infinite uh, was the last one watching Master Chief uh, run up to a precipice and then take a look as there's a bunch of uh, action and explosions and stuff going on in this uh, cavern below him. And uh, it was it was amazing. It's holiday 2020. The look of this thing is actually really cool. I was looking at this thing, and it looks like um, it, it looks like most of how technology is is moving is these kind of nondescript boxes or cylinders that we have in our room that has a couple cords coming out of it, and that's it. Very few ports, very few uh, aesthetics at all. Very clean cut aesthetic, um, clean industrial design, and at the top. It looks like it's got a uh, uh, an LED lit grid uh, or, or like a square kind of um, grid based mesh, and it, I'm I'm assuming now obviously we we don't know much a whole or we don't know anything about this. Um, well, it, it, some people know there there are probably dev kits out there similar to the PS5, but we don't know a whole lot about what this is. But from what I could tell, it looks like the bottom, the base of it, is slightly raised, and that there's a a, um, a smaller footprint for the actual stand part. And what I'm assuming is that this is going to be kind of built similar to way that the uh, Apple Mac trash can, uh, the Chrome trash can that they had forever ago that was like their Mac Pro, they use those uh, as a way to kind of um, build a cylinder that pulled air up from the bottom and then pushed hot air out through the top. And the reason why it's vertical is because they want that hot air going up. They don't want it going back into an entertainment center. They want to get it out into the actual room where heat rises. So at the base, there will probably be fans or, or at the top, there will be a fan powerful enough to pull up air from uh, around the actual inside of the actual system and that it will pull uh, cold air up over the actual circuit boards and electronics, cooling it, keeping it cool, and then pushing out all the hot air through the top, which if done right, can actually make the system almost completely silent. Uh, the trash can that Apple built um, that, that bombed because of the way that they built it, it was an amazing piece of, of engineering and it was insanely quiet. Like you could not really hear that device, but it was a very powerful system. And it looks like Microsoft is taking um, uh, key things from the way that was built and putting it into this next console, which if you look at this console, this console will effectively be a high powered uh, custom graphics um, uh, uh, PC. Like assume, if you were to take like uh, the the guts of your your really powerful PC, you know you've got your Nvidia card and your RAM and all that, and you built custom silicone the way you know most companies actually do for a lot of their stuff, and you give them the engineering design around this cube, this rectangle uh, sized uh, tower, and let them go crazy. You will basically have um, consoles getting to the point where the the power that they produce and the um, the components are on par with most PCs. And if they can get the cost of this thing at 500, now we, we don't know how much they cost, but if they can get the cost of this thing to 500, 
that's going to be pretty good. But we've we've heard about uh, this being a series, the Series X. It's it's not the next box. It's not the it's not the the Xbox Two. It's just Xbox Series X, which falls more in line with how a lot of other companies do products, especially if you look at Apple. They're mimicking the way that Apple does their Apple Watch series, uh, where each new iteration is an iteration on the same product name, but the device itself can change and you just increase the series. So you don't have to keep coming up with uh, a, a numeral um, in, in increase. It's just the Series X. And they could do the Series Y next if they really want to. But it being a series suggests that there's more than one of these available. I assume that they will probably look the same, but the guts will actually be different. Again, kind of pulling the same notes from the song that Apple was singing back when they made the MacBook or the Mac Pro trash can when it was, uh, you know, you could have low end, you could have high end, and there was some configurability with it, uh, but not a whole lot. They relied heavily on USB-C ports, which I would take a strong guess that the Xbox Series X will probably be using uh, proprietary, well, proprietary silicone, but they will probably be using uh, USB-C and they may actually use that uh, to have USB-C out to HDMI or um, uh, and have like a the, the power supply inside. It's hard to know how they're going to work out the power supply because there's lots of ways to go through, uh, go, go with that. But it's, it's going to be really interesting to see the backside of this device because as it stands, we've we've seen the front. We don't know what the I/O looks like on the back of it, but it's all going to be pretty pretty close to wireless. Um, so a lot of the the controllers are going to work. The thing that I thought was interesting about this actually wasn't something that was um, displayed at the actual Game Awards. It was actually the the Twitter account that let me see if I can actually I can't believe I didn't actually pull this up um, beforehand, but uh, the Xbox Twitter account, um, they actually posted uh, kind of a rundown after the Game Awards went out and uh, kind of explained some of the, the cool stuff that's going to be um, uh, coming with the actual console. And gosh, I'm really trying to, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can, ah, there it is. So 4K visuals at 60 frames per second with possibility of up to 120 frames per second at 8K. Now, I, I shrug off 8K because to be perfectly honest, devices out there aren't even up to 8K. Most people are still um, getting better fidelity uh, 4K displays or even just getting a 4K display. Some people haven't even made that switch because of, you know, long, long people or people holding out with some of the uh, 1080 plasmas that they've had for the last six years or so. But 60 frames per second with a possible 120 changes the game for console players to be able to have 120 frames per second is right up there with most con or most PC players. Most PC players are running somewhere between 120 to 144 um, with a bare minimum being 60. I think my, my uh, gaming monitor does 75, but I didn't spend a whole lot for that. The support for a variable refresh rate 
really does kind of help with uh, being able to to um, keep things from getting uh, choppy while you're actually watching it. So if you do run into that problem where something is really intense, it'll drop the frame rate, but it'll actually kind of switch between 60 to 120. It's not just one or the other. Uh, hardware accelerated ray tracing. That's really awesome. I love seeing that they're going with the ray tracing because that will help with um, just kind of the, the immersion that you get with gaming. Uh, you really, really get to, to see how light kind of bounces off things and reflections off of uh, things. That you, so say like, you know, they, they showed the old or NVIDIA showed the old uh, video or the old video to kind of explain it where there was a car that was in the forefront of a screen. The street was wet and then there was an explosion behind the car, but the light radiated out underneath the car and then around the car reflecting off of the water and then it actually uh caused the the reflection uh to or the light to kind of bounce off and then hit the back side of the car it was really cool it's it's one of those just kind of like check boxes for you know us seeing an improvement on a console system because again this is kind of where where we're going in with a mindset of there's a certain price for this there's um a bunch of other stuff that I, I, I could have swore I saw them talking about with the actual um, with the actual SSD. Yeah, so here we go. The next generation SSD in Xbox Series X will virtually eliminate load times and get you into your gaming worlds faster than ever before. They haven't talked about how the actual SSD uh, will work as far as size goes. So I would love to see them go from the standard one terabyte up to two terabytes. I would love to see a two terabyte SSD because that would be insane. If they go with a, a one terabyte SSD, that's going to be pretty expensive already. Um, we may have to suck it up and just kind of eat the fact that we're only going to have one terabyte. So you'll have to choose what kind of games you want on your system from time to time. But it's it's actually it's it's amazing um, just the fact that they're finally putting SSDs in these consoles. They also went on to say that it's designed to deliver four times the processing power of the Xbox One X, uh, and that's that's something that I think is going to be for the top end. Uh, earlier, you you heard me talking about the Xbox Series X as uh, being a series of of hardware, and there's been uh, talk about Anaconda and uh, Lockhart Lock Lock. I think it was Lockheed and uh, the two different devices one being a lower end one being a higher end I would imagine the lower end would be closer to um, the, the maybe a little bit better than an Xbox one X but probably not that much and that the actual anaconda the one that I think is the higher one uh, is actually going to be the one that's the four times more powerful processor which that's that's amazing in and of itself and it's one of these things where we can start looking at the price point now if xbox comes out and says that the that the the lower end xbox one or xbox series x uh, will be three hundred dollars then that will effectively eliminate the, the 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 sales that you're seeing for the xbox one x uh, i don't know that that's going to be kind of their out the gate price i think they're going to go higher and then have sales later on as well as bundles so i would imagine the xbox uh one or the xbox series x the low end the lockheed uh coming in at about four hundred dollars 
with the Anaconda, the higher powered one, coming in at $500. So there's a $100 gap and you're getting either the lower lower end one, which is probably going to be a little more powerful than an Xbox One X. It, it's, I, you know, they might not even shortchange the Xbox One X. There's a possibility that it could be on par with an Xbox One X or maybe, maybe even slightly less. But even then, that's kind of a that's a hard thing to ask because it's I don't think people are going to pay less for the low end device for something that's uh, 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 less powerful than the current system that they paid a lot for back in the day. So that's that's kind of hard to to judge uh, and see what's what's actually going to go on with that. But I, I definitely think that the high end has to come in around 500 550. That's pretty standard for most people and a lot of people if if this is if this comes in at 500 this will be the cheapest most powerful pc you can purchase and if it still supports the uh, mouse and keyboard for a lot of games you could effectively run this as a as a, an actual gaming pc and use your other pc like your actual home pc as a streaming pc which that's a crazy idea. The fact that you could probably set up mouse and keyboard for this device, have it next to your computer tower, plug it into a, a capture card and actually use it as your main gaming device for playing PC games uh, that come on or playing games that support mouse and keyboard on your Xbox game. You're not going to get full access to like Steam and all that good jazz, so that won't help. But for people that really love that console experience and like being able to switch between uh, mouse and keyboard and controller like I do, it's a very interesting prospect for me at least to possibly actually pick up one of these and use my normal PC as a streaming device for the time being. But that's a, a whole a whole nother thing. Uh, I absolutely love how the console looks. I, I want to know what PS... Uh, five is going to look like. I want to know what Sony's going to come out with because the the dev kits that we've seen photos of, it's it looks so bad. It looks so dumb, and I really don't think that Sony's going to go that route. But um, yeah, it, it, if I think the reason why the PS5 looks the way it does is because it would be easy to spot on websites that are trying to sell it secondhand. If someone stole one of these, uh, they could recover it very easily because it's it looks like nothing else you've seen as far as technology goes and that that would help kind of identify it if you did a google image search for it pop up on something that actually sells uh stuff as opposed to just more kind of news sites and things like that i i can't wait to see how this all plays out it's going to take a lot for me to jump on this um when it, it comes to deciding between like a pc and a console because i honestly i've already got my pc set up i've got my dual monitors i do all this stuff and having a console the main reason why i would pick this up is purely just to have one out in the living room where i've got the 4k monitor and i would actually go out and actually play some some more first party titles uh that that would be coming like halo or sinuous sacrifice hellblade 2 things like that uh ori and the will of the wisps um you know things like that where where i'm gonna get a really beautiful uh image off of it and i'm not gonna be constantly sitting in a chair i'll be able to relax on a couch 
but I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys think of this. Are you are you excited for it? Are you interested in the lower end to save some money if maybe you've been playing on a standard Xbox One S and this the, the lower end of the Series X is gonna be a big enough jump for you to jump in? Oh, I can't remember where I saw this, uh, but I do remember reading somewhere that there was a suggest, or at least some speculation, that the Xbox Series X consoles will support all four generations of Xbox games, which that's pretty awesome if that's true, because they've been able to bring backwards compatibility for a lot of games with the Xbox One X and Xbox One uh, systems. But if they're able to actually bring full compatibility with all the games uh, from all of the generations, that's that's gonna win. That's that I, I don't care what Sony does, that's gonna win because there's a lot of people that love those games on the older gen consoles and there's a lot of third party games that you just can't uh, you can't play on certain systems um, or play on, on other systems at times. So I'm really looking forward to this and I would love to see more information as we get closer and closer to E3 where I think we'll probably get a bigger dive into the games that are actually going to be coming for this. But I still stand by my, my earlier statement where I feel like the three games that we'll get at launch are the three that they showed in the video, and that's going to be Forza, that's going to be FIFA, and that's going to be Halo. And anything else that comes out is going to be uh, third party, so probably like Ubisoft will probably be jumping on that. Uh, I would not be surprised if Activision pulls in Call of Duty for, for that as well too, although I'm not sure what uh, Call of Duty is going to look like after Modern Warfare because of how Treyarch uh, had had to kind of pump this one out and they've got a couple other companies working on the next one, but it, it'll be really cool to kind of see how that works. All right, pirates, that's going to do it for this episode of Shore Leave. Now, as always with Shoreleaf, these are going to be in between regular Keelhauled episodes. And I'm just going to be talking about some of the stuff that excites me. Obviously, with this coming out today, uh, a lot of people are looking forward to the next Star Wars movie that's coming out on the 20th. If I could just make one quick request, and it seems obvious, but it's one of those things that I feel like needs to be said once in a while, just so people kind of know that it's still a thing that a lot of people respect and appreciate. And that's not to, to spoil it for anyone. You know, before you jump into a Discord channel uh, talking about movies or what you saw, remember that a lot of people want to go unspoiled. And with a world that is so connected nowadays, it's so easy to talk about something with someone and know that it's probably going to be considered a spoiler for someone. So be respectful. Try to give it at least a week before you start jumping about with uh, different story elements from the film and definitely make sure that if you're gonna talk about uh, Darth Vader being cloned and brought back from the dead by Emperor Palpatine that you save it for a while after uh, the film's been out so that people aren't too spoiled with that. 
Pirates, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I love you so much. If you want to get a hold of me, there are plenty of ways to do it. You can always reach me by email at C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. You can always hit me up on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. And you can always join the Discord channel uh, or Discord as well, too. Links are always in the show notes for all of that. And uh, until then, Pirates, thank you. I love you, and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.